0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Leadership. Oh, what a great few weeks of news that we have to go over. Uh, It's a reminder that we are a podcast that talks about the social responsibility of business and goes over the week's news and sees who is stepping in it and who's getting it right. Um, We've got a lot of things to cover over the last uh, week or so. I'm, you know, time is a flat circle. I don't even know when things happen at this point, but... (laughs) There's a lot that's been going on, but let's start with you, Adrielle. How are you, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Um, I've had better days, but,
1: you know, I'm I'm being fueled by all the news. <laughs> it's keeping me going by some <laughs> miracle. <laughs> how are you?
0: You're, you're rage living at this point? Yeah, I think so. Like I think the, so. It's just dri- driven by pure rage at this point.
1: Yes, I'm like, and what else? Tell me more. Just when you're like, oh, it can't get any worse. <laughs> it's like, hey, surprise. Wait, there's more. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Wait, there's more. That's, that's, uh, that's, that's a good rule to live by, I think, at this mm-hmm. point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, How are uh... things on your end? Pretty good, pretty good. I mean, uh, our family went on some uh, warm weather vacationing last week, so nice. uh, that was a little bit of a recharge. Um, yeah. We came back to it snowing in Chicago, so that no was way. <laughs> snowing in April. It was, wow. it was wild. It was like going from sitting poolside to uh, snowing. But, you know, yeah, we've lived, we live here by choice, is what I keep telling myself. There's a reason. Love Chicago, go. just spring is unpredictable.
1: Yeah, for sure. Great city. Just you have to be prepared for those random snowy days, weeks. <laughs> yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. And, you know, we really can't complain because we had a pretty mild winter. Yeah. But anyway, um, let's let's God, I don't even know where to start with this week's news. There's been I mean, every week we're getting new AI news. I think my favorite thing about this week was the uh, the song by Drake in The Weeknd that turned out to be an AI generated fake before. Yeah. Like, going really crazy and everyone being really excited by it do mm-hmm. you see this
1: yeah and it made it to streaming platforms which i still can't fully process but um our producer dave was just telling us that it's fairly easy to get your music on these streaming platforms which i i guess i knew but i didn't realize you know especially if it's someone like drake or the Weeknd, i would ex- expect that there's like right. this whole process um But I guess not. (laughs) Easy to get it
0: on, hard to promote it, probably. Yeah, not unlike a podcast, I would imagine. You
1: know, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but scary stuff.
0: It it's just so easy to make this now. Like it's so easy to make these songs. It's so easy to make. Did you see there was an an artist that won an art competition? I forget where, based on AI fake AI generated artwork this week, and had to like admit that it wasn't a real piece of artwork. Like it's just no idea. Yeah, it's just it's gonna be so. We are in the wild west of like determining what is real and what is not right now. It's sure. It's fascinating.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's 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 fascinating, but also terrifying. Um, and I don't know. I just I know a lot of artists and people in the creative space, and it just makes me really sad at times to see. It just feels like their work is being undermined, and I I mean I've known people working in artistic endeavors for years perfecting their craft and now it's like oh you can just pull up you know this program mid-journey or whatever it is and ask it to create multiple versions of whatever you have in your mind very quickly yeah um yeah It just yeah i mean it's cool we talked about this a
0: few weeks ago it's like it could just make your your work easier if you knew what you were doing but also and like potentially make you more productive as an artist but kind of depends on what kind of art you're making and if you actually want to beat up the process like if production and delivery is something that's baked in the process or if you're trying to create like real art and you want it to be you know just something that is right I i don't know
1: uh so many layers
0: struggle Anyway, it is it I feel like every week we are going to have to have like a segment about like week in AI news and I don't yeah. want to make this an AI podcast, but <laughs> damn, like this is just so much is in the news about this.
1: That's the way of our world Speaking, right now. It's, yeah.
0: Yeah. Speaking of the news, um, lot lots else going on. Hollywood writers are going on strike. Mm-hmm. Um, the the fox the just I think this morning, like very recently, we found out that Fox is settling with Dominion Voting Systems for seven hundred eighty-seven million dollars.
1: Yep, which is
0: less than which is less than the one point six they were seeking, and they are not. It is noted going to get an on-air apology. I think they should have held out for the on-air apology. Wow. That's my. Uh, I know, right? Huh. I, I, I Money's great. Don't get me wrong. You also don't usually see the amounts in these kinds of things, like publicly right. stated. So, like that was clearly negotiated. But come on, I want an on-air Tucker Carlson apology.
1: <laughs> right? Yeah. That's
0: all I want. Yeah, for I mean, Christmas. it's
1: Fox at the end of the day, so I'm not surprised. You know, the the ego just won't <laughs> let them. I think for them, they're like, well, everyone knows how much we're paying out, so there you go. There's your apology. So.
0: There was some, like, statement they put out about it, too, that was like, now we can continue upholding the highest journalistic integrity. Oh, <laughs>
1: like,
0: what are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about?
1: Oh, goodness. Oh, what
0: else? Oh. The Netflix's live stream debacle? Are you a Love is yes. Blind fan? Did you hear about I this? Sure I sure am. I sure
1: am. I love that show. Um, it gives me hope. Um yeah it, it gives was, you hope okay does, let's unpack that what as a could single possi- human <laughs> what about love
0: is blind could possibly give you hope it's just like people people finding love despite the circumstances is that what it well, is no, so I don't know if you've ever watched it, but people are basically
1: put into pods and they date in these pods where they can't actually see the folks they're dating. Um, and right. And they end up- Yeah, I know the premise. To them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. It's just like being able, I think because there's so much social media and so much visibility into our lives now, it's just cool to see people fall in love without all of the the fluff. I'm waving my arms like one of those inflatables in front of a car- <laughs> <laughs> dealership but like without all of this right um i think it's just cool to see and you know there have been some successful couples obviously not all a lot of them have been disastrous but um i just like the premise of the show but netflix really dropped the ball in this one um i think this was, was bad. Like, their second live stream attempt maybe
0: um and i think what would have been the first i think you're right but i don't remember what the first was
1: i think the first was i want to say it was chris rock stand-up but i'm not positive it was some comedian i think you're right i think it might have been yeah
0: i think you're right
1: and i i think it was fine but this was this was not it
0: (laughs) (laughs) i saw someone write and i think this is true that they simultaneously uh screwed up live tv and proved how important live tv still is <laughs> <laughs> I <can see> <laughs> how many people were upset by it
1: <laughs> oh yeah and, i mean people were on standby it's one of those shows that um people usually live tweet so it can be you yeah know, right it can be fun but yeah they got dropped a big following then... my wife
0: my wife watches it it's uh yeah. it's a it's it's a completely ridiculous show let's just be honest but people, it is, people but it's find fun. it entertaining and yeah. apparently adriel uh g- gives you hope in the yes. uh in the dating scene <laughs> yes shout out to <laughs>
1: tiffany and brett that was my favorite couple this this season so
0: <laughs> yeah. nice um our friend elon musk came out with some uh new twitter updates this week <laughs> um While a bunch of newsrooms are bailing because of uh, like NPR kind of started this uh, mini, mini wave of newsrooms starting to bail on Twitter because Mm -hmm. of them being labeled government funded state sponsored media, which was a huge, dumb, annoying thing that Twitter decided to change about its policy. Right. Meanwhile, they're making it easier to attack transgender people on their platform. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just I don't. They're also changing their name. I don't know if you saw this. They changed their name to X Corp instead of uh, Twitter Inc. Twitter's yeah. still the platform, but they're actually... He's moving in this direction of trying to make it like an everything app, which has been a big vision of his. Yeah. It's just... I just... I don't... I don't get it, I man. saw the, I, the
1: notification I, when I logged in earlier today. Like, read our new policy changes and name change. And I'm like, oh, goodness. Here we go.
0: It's interesting. It's not good. It just... I don't... He's He's been on stage, like... Uh At various conferences trying to and, and and in interviews, just trying to reassure advertisers who had mm-hmm. fleed and try to say like our advertisers are back meanwhile, providing zero proof that that is actually the case. Um, so no one really trusts that yeah and yeah. then and then over on the side, I don't know if you saw this, he admitted that he's making an open AI competitor. Remember a few mm-hmm. weeks ago when he when he signed that letter? Trying to say, let's yes. slow down on the development of AI. And I think uh, it was, I think you specifically said he's probably <laughs> developing a competitor. Yep. Surprise, so they, surprise. They, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's exactly what he's doing.
1: You know, good old capitalism. You know, just <laughs> not surprising when it comes to Elon Musk at all. I, there's very few, there are very few things that happen or that are announced about him at this point that surprise me.
0: Yeah. 100%. <laughs> 100%. Uh, it's kind of like, it, it, when I saw the news about Twitter, like, quietly taking away the policy around, you know, the transgender protections, I was like, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why? What, why do you need to do that? Who knows? But, of course, they're doing that.
1: Yeah. It's you know so what I feel about
0: Twitter is, like, at at remember at that point in the Trump administration where mm-hmm. you would see something in the news cycle and you'd be like, what the, what the actual fuck is going on? But, right. like... You were also like, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, yeah, of course let's, yeah,
1: yeah. Let's, exactly.
0: Let's hire a chief fire burner to be in charge of protecting or, or putting out fires. You know, like every yeah. every week it was like something like that. That's what Twitter feels like right now.
1: Definitely. And it's, it's interesting to me because I <laughs> follow Elon here and there on Twitter just to see what foolishness he likes to post. And he said something in response to someone on there about how he's trying to essentially like make twitter for the people again and i'm just like through what means <laughs> what 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 actions are you taking right now that actually reflect the words that you, you just have the nerve to, the audacity to type from your little measly fingers. Like, he just upsets my soul. He really does. Um, your little it's just like the actions, fingers. Yes, like, the actions <laughs> do not match his words. Like, oh, you know, I took over Twitter because, you know, I want it to be for the people again. And this is this is what you consider for the people? I don't think so.
0: I mean, it's the same thing about how he's like, I'm a free speech absolutist unless you're talking bad about me and then i'm gonna kick you off the platform you know of course like, exactly
1: just... exactly uh, uh, whatever
0: all the i mean i'm like i i wish we could go a week covering news that wasn't about elon musk or ai or mm. all of this nonsense that we have to talk about every single week but that's yeah. the world that we live in and that is it. we're talking about the shit that leaders have to deal with this is it my friends this is it <laughs> So speaking of the shit that leaders have to deal with, what did you bring to us this week for a deep dive?
1: I want to talk about (laughs) Pity City. And if you haven't heard about Pity City, um, there is a CEO named Andy Owen, who is the CEO of a company called Miller Knoll. And there is a clip circulating that has quite the number of views in which she basically told her employees that They need to kind of just leave pity city in regard to them wanting bonuses. Um, And she kind of went on this whole like rampage about how if you want the bonuses, you need to go get the we need to land the twenty five million dollar deals and you need to work harder, this sort of thing. Meanwhile, um, uh, Andy Owen, I think, made roughly four million dollars in bonuses last year and it's unclear how much she'll be making this year um, with a base salary of like over a million dollars. So I just wanted to kind of dive into, you know, just leadership and and when it comes to CEOs and and C-suites and execs, how they're being paid, how they're being compensated, um, why it's so common for them to be compensated so much more than the folks that are really like in the weeds day to day. um, And how do we sort of find equity amongst all of that if at all is that possible
0: yeah so so like how do we how do we think about leadership compensation being competitive when there's such a disconnect yeah there's such a disconnect between how much they're paid and how much the average worker is paid
1: Exactly. And and also just leaders being empathetic, especially if they're being paid so much more than their their employees when it comes to people expressing that they want more pay, that they need more compensation. I mean, I don't know what world she's living in, but the things are not good financially right now in good old America um debt is is out of the ass um you know inflation they keep saying yes there's inflation no there's inflation but i mean i go to the grocery store once a week and i'm like in what world did i as a single individual spend this much money on groceries <laughs> uh, at any point in my life <laughs> um, and i'm buying the bare minimum cuz i'm barely in my house to eat so it's just you know in new york in, in new york, york. yeah yeah. So, yeah, that's what I'm bringing today. I know I've kind all of right. started well, going on my tyrant already. <laughs> Tyree. <Tyrant. laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Save it
0: for us. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, she is just she is getting all the publicity in the wrong way, so I'm, I'm yes. not surprised you want to go deep on that. Um I would love to talk about uh, if you saw this story about um influencer Dylan Mulvaney, um transgender influencer partnering mm-hmm. with Bud Light and the backlash about that and Bud yes. Light's response to the backlash which i think made it so much worse um when it could have been such a like principled moment for them right um so i i'd love to just dig into like what better ways could they have responded and should they have was this a good business decision and a good partnership for them to do from the beginning yep so let's get let's get into it all right. Uh, well, since you were already clearly your blood pressure is up <laughs> about this, this story, <laughs> oh, Let, let's continue going on yours. I want to know, like, this is just such fresh in the consciousness. Like I saw this um, like video going viral yesterday, like so many people posting about it and talking about it. And I mean, can we just stipulate that if you're a CEO and you're on camera, you should be tre- you should treat it like you're going to be recorded and someone's going to take what you say and spread it around the internet and nothing is actually internal in a remote working world like everything can be screenshotted everything can be recorded like just right. treat every meeting like you are in public
1: absolutely can we just do and that they almost always are being recorded especially at that level like <laughs> there's
0: always someone That's what I'm recording. saying um, there's always someone recording it, even if it's just like hr for documentation like you don't know where that video is gonna go Like this is just regardless of what she actually said. Like that's just bare minimum, like understanding tech and the internet. But
1: absolutely, in terms of the
0: substance, why don't you unpack the substance of what she was saying for us?
1: Yeah, I mean, she was literally sort of for a lack of better words, like chastising her her team. This this uh, and I don't know if it was specific to just a, a smaller team or if it was like a broader, like company wide sort of delivery, like an yeah, all Yeah I hands. think it was like
0: her her senior leaders or her middle manager, something like yeah. that. Like people people um, in leadership positions, but obviously not the CEO.
1: Right, right. And so basically, you know, people were complaining about the bonuses and she pretty much was like, spend your time and effort thinking about the damn 26 million that we need and, you know, not thinking about what you're going to do to get if you don't get your bonus. All right. And it was just like, wow. And I mean, she's like wagging her finger. So like very like. I just it, it felt very demeaning. It felt like she really lacks empathy. Um, and I know she responded saying, like, oh, it's taken it out of context. But again to your point, people are always recording and it was a long enough soundbite that it, you didn't re- really need that much more context to feel a type of way about yeah. it regardless if it was you know directed towards her senior leaders if it were was directed to the company as a whole um it just it was not a good look um and obviously what did not help her case is considering how much money she is making um on an annual basis and on top of that still receiving, like I said, last year, she received nearly 4 million in bonuses and her base is like $1.1 $1. $1 million. Um, and so it's just, it's really sad and unfortunate. Um, and she's been in leadership for, for quite some time. Um, she was at gap for a long time as well. So she's not new to this and new, oh, nor is she new to working with people, but, um, But yeah, it just got me thinking about, just thinking a little bit deeper about how CEOs are being compensated, how we're thinking about pay equity as it relates to other leaders, other employees, maybe individual contributors. And how leaders just need to have some level of empathy, um, especially knowing if they are making such a significant amount of money in comparison to their employees that may or may not even be touching six-figure salaries. Um, Right.
0: Even for your senior leaders, right? Like, even if these are, like, your deputies, people that are on your team are supposed to be leading in your your company, don't treat them like assholes. Absolutely.
1: And and just understanding- yeah. Understanding where we are in our world is so important. But I think, you know, a lot of leaders, especially from my experience, coaching leaders and and facilitating workshops, they often live with sort of tunnel vision and sometimes just forget to look up and outside of what's going on in their worlds. Um, and they forget that, you know, the average person probably can't afford a slew of medical bills without taking a hit the average person that's working for them probably has other responsibilities that they don't have excessive funds to cover, you know? So it's just like, just because you're living in this nice, cushy $1.1 $1. $1 million salary with roughly $4 million on top of that every year, it doesn't give you a right to just kind of berate your your team. And it it definitely takes a hit on, on morale as well. So I imagine folks right. were hearing her say this and they're like, why the hell would we want to keep focusing on this $26 million, uh, deal that you, you think is so important um, and we're not even going to be compensated for it? This is a time when, you know, jobs are just, it feels like jobs are transitional almost. I mean, we have layoffs, but I think we've kind of referred to it a few times as like the great reshuffling where, yes, people mm-hmm. are being laid off, but they're going to other companies, other companies are hiring, so... I don't yeah. know. After I heard the, this... the
0: pressure that people feel in senior roles yeah. to perform or be laid off or get mm-hmm. poached from another company, like when you make it to that kind of leadership position, like not even at the CEO level, just like any yeah. kind of SVP or C-suite or whatever level, you right. do feel a lot of pressure to like perform or, you know, transition out basically yeah. or like be laid off like if the company is not performing and you've got this kind of bloated salary by the, you know, CFO's perspective, you're yeah. in a risk pretty risky position. Absolutely,
1: absolutely. Um and we talked about this a few episodes ago about how a lot of women in leadership are leaving. Um and so, yep. you know, to hear this be delivered by the CEO of a company that you are either on the fence about or that you've been putting so much time and effort into perhaps even sacrificing from your personal life or your commitments outside of work. I don't know about other people, but I would be like, thanks so much. See you later. Um, Especially if you're in senior leadership position, it's very likely to your point that you're probably going to get poached by another company or that there are other opportunities why would I stay at a company where someone is literally yelling at me on the phone because I asked about a bonus? Not yeah.
0: sure. We should also stipulate that, that the CEO was a woman or is a woman. Yeah. yeah. So and it, this isn't a typical kind of white man beration, maybe that we right? would usually hear about this. But also yes. like give us context about this industry because I think that part of her frustration that came out This again is maybe an emotional intelligence thing in terms of her as a leader, but yeah, like the industry is feeling a lot of pressure, right?
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, And so if you're not familiar, uh, Miller Knoll, which is, I think they are also called Herman Miller, the official name is Miller Knoll, they create office furniture. Um, and as you can imagine, (laughs) their sales are not what they (laughs) used to be, (laughs) right. Um, and so that of course could shift because so many people are returning to office. And now I don't know if you saw the recent study, I'll have to link, link us to it later, but, um, they were talking about the benefits of people being in office, right. And how it's, it supports professional development. Nothing that we didn't know, obviously. Um, but yeah. the point being that in office time has significantly decreased. It's gone back up since we had, you know, we were, you know, during the during the lockdown period of the pandemic. But um, again, sales are not what they used to be for Miller and Noll, and so I think that is part of her frustration naturally. But there are other ways to express that to your team members who are right. probably also feeling pretty frustrated as well <laughs> i would imagine right. right
0: um there is a way to call out like a lack of team cohesion or a lack of team performance and as a leader you need to do that it's just maybe this wasn't the right time or place or yeah. context or the way to do it. you know like the execution here is is was a huge problem
1: yep and you also have to look at yourself as leader because Why is it that your team isn't working in unison or why is there such an issue? What are you doing as a leader that's not supporting them towards the goals that you all, the collective goals that you claim to be working towards? Right. Um, So, yeah, very layered,
0: very layered. Yeah. But let's let's I mean, speaking of being layered, you talked about how her compensation is so much more than the people that she was, um, you know, berating for caring about bonuses. Yeah, it is, it does come like this. The, one of the reasons why this is going viral right now is it. it is landing in this larger context of so much discrepancy between CEO pay and the average right. worker pay. Right. So how do you think about that, like, bigger gap? I mean, it's gotten, it's a gap that's gotten significantly worse in the last 30 years. hmm People on, people on boards and on Wall Street will say, like, you need to be able to pay... CEO's competitive rate to be able to keep them and right. you know to be able to like tie their compensation to company compensation etc cetera, et cetera. there's all these this reasons is basically like around performance and and around talent management like we've got to be able to you know pay a competitive rate which right. kind of to me gives a little bit of a tragedy of the commons vibe where it's like if everyone's doing that then of course everyone else is going to do it Mm-hmm. But there have been some CEOs that you've seen come out and say, like, I want to think about my own compensation differently, or I want to tie it more to what my people are making. You know, here right. and there, you see these kind of stories pop up, and they they make the news because it is so rare. Right. So, like, if you, let's say let's say not if you were in the CEO shoes, like, if you were on the board of one of these companies, and you were going to hire a CEO, and you're talking about the compensation, like, how would you want that company to think about CEO compensation versus kind of the rest of the company.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's really important to think about the person's experience as well as what their responsibilities are going to be. I think there's certainly, there's a level of hierarchy that we just can't escape. I know there are a lot of companies that are like, we're a flat organization. That's bullshit. I mean, there's hierarchy at the end of the day. (laughs) There are always going to be people that are more experienced. There are going to be people that are leading other people. There are going to be individual contributors. That's just how things are structured right now would i like to see a different structure sure but i don't know what that looks like or how we would even get there um with that said a little bit of a
0: tangent but like the the companies that say they have no hierarchy yeah frustrate me a little bit because Mm -hmm. often that means that there's an unstated hierarchy to your point Mm -hmm. there's still going to be people with titles higher There's still like say oh we have no hierarchy we're loose what that means is that the unwritten rules take over and the power centers and all of that take over. And all of a sudden what's documented on paper doesn't matter as much as what people believe and feel about the organization. And so you default to a lot of these kind of power structures that exist in larger society. So it's, it's something to think about when you're like, Oh, we want a flat organization. It's like there's, there are levels of flat that are too flat. And there, some of that hierarchy is meant to protect certain employees and some of it is meant to at least give some guidance to what is what the fuck is supposed to be happening you know like who am I supposed to go to for decision making right yeah yeah side note side tangent (laughs) but I agree with you about the flat hierarchy thing
1: definitely definitely um but yeah with all of that said I do think that they're still CEOs should likely make significantly more but how much significantly more I mean to me is $1.1 million plus a $4 million bonus necessary? And I think miller Knowles revenue was around like four, a little over $4 billion this year. It's increased since the pandemic. Um, good on them. But that just seems excessive to me. I mean, that's not even just like a cushy life. That's like next level (laughs) i'm like how do you even if you're the ceo how do you even find time to enjoy that amount of money i have no idea that that's not my business i guess um but let's stipulate that
0: neither you or i are billionaires so we can't really there you uh, go if anyone wants to make us
1: you know know, billionaires
0: we wouldn't be opposed to it but yeah um, although although i've heard you know more, more money more problems i mean maybe that's, that's what they what say here. Maybe i we're... mean here
1: we are right <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i think you have to think about all those things right how much time and effort has this person put into their career what responsibilities do they have um you know what so I, the I, typical just...
0: things you would think about Ooh. when hiring anybody yeah of exactly. course. exactly
1: exactly um i admire ceos that go into organizations and that are like i just want to be paid you know like an individual contributor or people that are like i'm taking a dollar salary or something like that i'm like wow that is impressive i don't know how exactly that works but you know
0: i mean they take a dollar salary and then they tie the rest of their compensation to stock or you know company performance but yeah but there is i think something to be said for like saying like uh, okay you know maybe my base salary is gonna be super low to right. your point. Right. But the rest of it's going to be tied to how well I perform as a CEO. I think there's yeah. something to be said for that. I mean, how much of that compensation, like what percentage? Yeah. Uh, I think is the big question. Is like, even if it is just stock options or whatever, how much as a source of overall wealth does that create a dispari- disparity between the CEO and the rest of the company? Absolutely. I don't know that there's a specific number that is the right number. I just know that right now we have the pendulum has swung so far in terms of the discrepancy that it seems ridiculous
1: yeah absolutely it's interesting because i feel like there are a lot of um pay equity or pay inequity studies out there but they don't really look at the discrepancies between like ceos and median employee pay they're more so looking at like gender and uh racial eth- Ethnic um, discrepancies. So I'd be curious, and I'm going to do obviously, I love researching. So I'm definitely going <laughs> to dig into this a little bit more after this. Um, but I'd be curious yeah, I to think see I've that. I've seen
0: some. It's been a yeah. while. It's been a but while. It's not as popular or some. common. Yeah. I don't think I've seen it since the pandemic. It'd be interesting to see how mm. it shifted. Maybe we can find some research or report back about that, how definitely. it shifted since the pandemic. I think all the studies that I remember seeing were pre the world changing, but it's, yeah. gotten, it's gotten crazy. I mean, I'd love to see a board, like, I mean, tying to, again, tying to financial performance of the firm, totally get it. I'd love to see them also tie some kind of, um, you know, percentage cap on how much Mm -hmm. the CEO can make above and beyond the, like, worst paid individual contributor.
1: Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, if you've got,
0: you got someone making minimum wage, how much above and beyond can you make as the CEO above that person's salary, you know?
1: Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I just pulled up a quick stat here, and it says that um, as of 2020 or October 2022, CEO pay has skyrocketed 1,460% 1, since 1978, and CEOs have been paid 399 times as much as a typical worker, and that was in 2021. I mean,
0: it's just... I, it's not right. <laughs> like I'm, I'm just like at just, a loss. I don't word. know what to say about that. I mean, <laughs> the, uh, it's just—it's too much.
1: The average pay at the top 350 firms in the U.S. Um, for CEOs was twenty seven point eight million. That's the average pay. So I guess Andy isn't making all that much <laughs> in comparison. My yeah. goodness, I had no idea. No idea.
0: Ugh. Wow. So now you sympathize with her a little bit. Is that no, what you're saying? No, I still like, don't. Oh, yeah. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I don't know. I don't know what the right answer. If anyone, reach out to us uh, and tell us if you've seen the the right way to think about this in terms of the uh, percentage cap of mm-hmm. a CEO's pay. I don't know what the right answer is. I just know it is way skewed in the other direction right now. We need to we need to calm this back down and and put some yeah. of that money back in workers pockets
1: absolutely now's the time
0: yeah all right let's move on to the uh anheuser Busch controversy um just let's for do. those who have not been paying attention um about two weeks ago transgender influencer dylan mulvaney announced a partnership with bud light limited partnership commemorate march madness and her quote three day 365 of womanhood and she, you know, posted publicly about this uh, partnership and, you know, encouraged people to go out and buy Bud Light as, you know, these kinds of partnerships do. And then, of course, there was a huge online transphobic backlash, including from Kid Rock. Who who even talks about Kid Rock anymore? Um, shooting a gun pack and, and, you know, at a pack of Bud Light. So dumb. Um and you know this comes in the larger context of the transgender community just under so much fire i mean we just talked mm-hmm. about twitter rolling back protections for for um transphobic speech on its platform see um a rise in hate of you know against transgender people in the workplace we've seen obviously a lot of especially local laws aimed at limiting I mean, limiting the ability of trans people to exist in society and get Mm -hmm. medical care. Um, It's it's really, really frightening. And to see this kind of backlash is really is really disheartening, but also not surprising. You know, what was surprising is that based on this backlash, the Anheuser-Busch CEO, Brendan Whitworth, issued a statement last Friday afternoon saying we never intended to be a part of a discussion that divides people. Fuck that. That I was so angry when I saw this that like that is your response and a discussion that divides people
1: yeah.
0: because you hired a transgender influencer. Yeah. One, you knew full well what you were doing. Like, mm-hmm. like they mm-hmm. you don't hire someone like Dylan Mulvaney without understanding what you are doing right? right. Like, Absolutely. this might not have gone up to his desk necessarily, like obviously this could be a brand director or whoever it was that decided to go into this partnership, Yeah. but I would be surprised if it didn't at least reach the level of some of the senior leadership within Anheuser-Busch because it is a somewhat of a controversial decision for a beer brand that is oh, I hate to say this, like aimed at kind of the everyman middle America red state people, like these are the people yeah. that Drink Bud Light. And so to, to to hire a transgender influencer, when that is your core base, you are making a very public decision. Right. And a very, what could be seen as a controversial decision. Was it right. the right decision for their brand? I think you could make an argument that um, it is the right moral decision to work mm-hmm. with the transgender community at a time of the transgender community seeing a lot of hate. and And this was a very bold step in a very progressive direction for a brand that is not typically seen as that Mm -hmm. was it the right you know mix of you know you traditionally when you go out and you work with these kind of influencers you're thinking about like how does their audience reach you know our consumer base like maybe there was a mismatch there but once you've made the decision and you are you've taken this very bold moral step toward we're supportive of the transgender community you don't walk it back by saying we never intended to be a part of discussion that divides people that's bullshit like that all that says is we have no spine and we are worried about losing consumers who by the way these kinds of online backlashes rarely have a significant lasting effect on a company's bottom line either way This is actually right. what's very frustrating about consumer advocacy is that most people don't change their buying habits based on these kinds of news cycles like right. in, a, in a good or bad way, in a progressive way or a conservative way. Like mm-hmm. most people might temporarily say, like, I don't know, throw out their Bud Light or shoot it with a goddamn, you know, right. <laughs> gun like Kid Rock. But they idiot. don't long term really change their buying habits usually. Like it usually makes yeah. a very small percentage change. So while this was a PR crisis, it wasn't really a business crisis. And so it would have been very easy for Bud Light to do one of two things. One, continue on and -hmm. just do do this partnership and just ignore this controversy, which was bound to calm down. It might not have gone away, but it was bound to calm down. Or two, Mm -hmm. come out and say, we support the transgender community. That is why we hired... That's why we are Dylan Mulvaney in the first place. Right. That would have been the thing to demonstrate some kind of spine here. Yeah. But instead they walked it back and said, we are going to be beholden to a mob of people who say they drink Bud Light. And you know what? Now they've got progressive people pissed at them. They're still mm-hmm. going to have conservative people pissed at them for doing this in the first place. Yep. So what <laughs> happens is you are now in the worst of both worlds
1: exactly this is why
0: this kind of it's it's both a dumb decision obviously for me personally for um the politics of this but to me it's a dumb leadership decision you have now basically said (laughs) you have now basically said we met we messed up in a way that pisses everyone off yep
1: it makes you wonder who who's in the room when these decisions are being made that's what my brain automatically goes to i'm like who is helping you think through all of this, if anyone, um, because it doesn't seem like they have anyone that has like a broader view and and grasp on things. Um, I think this is such a layered situation. But I think of Budweiser, and I think of very traditional America. Like I hear Budweiser, and I automatically have the American flag in my head, <laughs> like by default. Um, and sure, so yeah. I thought, that's yeah, been their, I, that's been their whole thing. Exactly, exactly. Um, and so. I I just can't even process what they were thinking. Like they knew when they hired Dylan what they were doing and who she was. And I mean, the whole promotion is like 365 days of girlhood. So they knew, (laughs) they knew what was going on. They created this, this, this one of a kind sort of product to commemorate her. As they've done for other brand influencers. And had they just doubled down like, to your point and just been like, we support, we don't know why you're coming at us, they probably would have had a quick little spike in sales. Because Dylan has like over 10 million, almost 11 million followers on TikTok, almost 2 million on Instagram. So I, I just, Ugh. I can't wrap my head around it. It does not make any sense. And Kid Rock, I, I mean. mean it- <sighs> my god can he just kick rocks like, seriously <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, oh, i just I, I if you read this statement i mean it's titled our responsibility to america it just has this like this overtone of corporate boardroom nonsense that is a classic yeah. response to these kinds of situations that talks about you know america's heartland and Moving forward, I will continue to work tirelessly to bring great beers to consumers across our nation. Like, it's mm. just, it's a nothing burger. And in the middle of this nothing burger, it says we never intended to be part of a discussion that divides people. It doesn't mention Dylan Mulvaney by name, doesn't talk yeah. about supporting the transgender community or not, or not again, because it's a nothing burger, doesn't talk right. about supporting LGBTQ rights or anything that they've previously supported. It's just, oh, it, all it did was emphasize the fact that this CEO and this company has no spine. Like why would yeah. you do this? And like it would have been so especially for something titled our responsibility to America. It would have been so easy to say like here are our values, here's what we're rooted in, which it talks about a lot and then just say we believe wholeheartedly that the LGBTQ+ and transgender community is a part of that America.
1: Mhm. Mhm.
0: Right? Like do your nothing burger America freedom nonsense, but then just say, like, the reason why we worked with this is because we believe this story is inherent to this story. Yeah. Um, I just... I feel like I'm I taking guess... crazy pills, Adriel. <laughs> no, <Like I'm, laughs> you're, i are I realize we're on a podcast, and I'm, like, giving you these wide eyes, and I'm, like, no one can see me, but I'm, like, losing my mind over this. I know,
1: I know. I mean, w- when I hear things like this, I'm just, like, I bet you they don't have a DEI person sitting in the room when they they talk through these issues. Like, there's just no way that they have someone no. who is well-versed in the DEI space or just being ethical in any type of way that is sitting in on these
0: conversations. And that's unfortunate. I, it's hard to tell. I mean, maybe they do and they just aren't giving them good advice. I don't know. But, like, this, this corporate boardroom nonsense that clearly was put together by a legal team and a PR mm-hmm. team and, like, just one of these... Things where, like, in in response to a public crisis, you get a bunch of groupthink in a room, Yep. and try to do the like most mild, mo- less offen- least offensive thing. And what happens is, you just piss everyone off. It's still, like offensive. to me, again, d- just, despite the ethics of this, despite the politics, mm-hmm. it's just uh, it's never a good leadership and communications move to do something like this. Yeah, it, it also reminds me of. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, no go for. It. Sorry, just it reminds me of the united um response to that customer getting dragged off their plane a few years ago. Oh, my
1: goodness. Yes. I remember yes. their
0: first like point of contact was this kind of nothing burger statement that kind of just stood by their employees from yep. Oscar Munoz, the CEO at the time, mm-hmm. which made the crisis even worse. <laughs> I mean, I just we need Unreal. to get we need to get away from thinking of Crisis response in an internet-driven age, as putting together a press release from a boardroom. Yeah, that's just not it. That's just not it. Yeah, um,
1: I just can't go without just mentioning the number of trans individuals that have lost their lives to just sens- senseless violence from people just being hateful. Um, and and situations like this make me just think about folks, um, (laughs) that don't support that was that were so up in arms that are shooting bottles of Budweiser (laughs) out of upset. I'm like, what does that mean? Because that, that violent act to me signifies that you are so upset with another human's existence that you may be willing to harm them. And that, that just, it doesn't sit well with me at all. Um, and I, I don't know, I, nearly every week that I'm on Twitter, there's some update about some trans individual being harmed or killed. And it's just, it, it pisses me off. <laughs> that's all I have on that. well That's like a whole other uh, topic for another episode, but it just, we- transgender individuals <sighs> are already not protected. And so that's what I'm Bush saying like not even speaking when, with their response not even mentioning them just is unreal.
0: Truly, you were taking one of the most you chose to work with one of the most vulnerable communities in America, especially right now.
1: Right. One of the most
0: vulnerable, one of the most targeted of harassment, of violence, of Mm -hmm. legal like laws being passed targeting this community. But you chose to use your brand and take a stand with this community. And then the minute the inevitable backlash happened, you folded. Woo, sorry. <laughs> uh, all right, I, I don't know why we... I mean, of all the things in the news, you and I both chose, like, CEOs stepping in it and making bad decisions. I know. Just like that kind of week. Just like that kind of week, I guess. Yeah. All right, let's move on and try to calm ourselves into <laughs> talking about our yes. one more thing for this week. All right, Adriel, what's, what's your one more thing for this week? Hopefully it's something happy and very very light
1: <laughs> it's not <laughs> um, it, i just wanted to call out the fact that um the deadline for announcing the u.s debt ceiling is is coming sooner rather than later more than likely that's oh, what banks are warning Jesus christ um maybe
0: the least light thing you could have chosen yeah um, there's
1: yeah a, yeah they're they're talking about um moving the, raising the debt ceiling to 31, well, it's already at 31.4 trillion. So there may be a need to raise it even further or higher, which is terrifying. Um, and just, yeah. you know, acknowledging, there was um, an article that came out talking about how um, people are starting to ignore their debt because they're just overwhelmed by it. And so it's just continuing to rack up um we also have now the like buy now pay later situations very modern day layaway if you will um and those are still racking up for folks as well um expenses have increased health bills have increased travel has increased housing is increasing like we're all
0: just So, so you're saying America (laughs) has become a buy now, pay later nation?
1: (laughs) Yeah, and now we have um, Apple just released their version as well. So
0: it just keeps on going. Just keeps on going. Well, we should be clear. Like the debt limit is about our ability to pay what we have already spent.
1: Right. So, like,
0: it's not even this. This whole controversy is about what by now whether we're going to pay later. Yeah, (laughs) we've already. We've already spent this money it's already been allocated it's already in the budget it's just about giving it's this artificial constraint that we've given ourselves about Mm -hmm. whether or not we can pay our bills it's it's complete it's honestly complete nonsense that we have to have this conversation every couple of years i remember when i was working for president obama this exact thing i mean we literally would have conversations in 2013 for the debt limit fight about Mm -hmm. how catastrophized we could be uh, in our social media communications from the president without causing runs on the bank and like crises of people thinking america was going to default and here we are again here we are 2023 10 years later having the exact same exact same conversation and so we've got one party that is trying to tie the next budget into this meanwhile president biden and the democrats are just saying no, this doesn't have anything to do with the budget, and also you've given us no budget proposals anyway.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So we just keep chugging along, and no, we don't have a solution yet. Technically, we ran into the debt limit already in January, right. and the um, secretary—I think it's Secretary Yellen—is just kind of doing magic, moving money around until they figure out how we're going to deal with this. It's, it's wild. It's...
1: It's really wild. I was also just um, kind of tracking along on Twitter during uh, the tax deadline, which just passed. And there were just so many people that were like, we're boycotting taxes. And I'm like, oh, goodness. I'm, I'm really curious Uh-oh. to see how um, the tax extensions filed or just the lack of taxes at all being filed compare this year to previous years. I don't even know if that's data they share publicly, but i'd I'd be curious to see how that's going for them for our good old government and Uncle Sam.
0: We're not in a great financial position as a country in on either an individual or a corporate level or a I mean, like of course, there's always the individual people who are getting very wealthy. Mm-hmm. But overall, just coming out of the coming out of the uh, pandemic, we're still having having some hard, hard financial times. Maybe, again, maybe we'll get to a recession. Maybe we won't. But either way, people are still feeling it. We're still in a lot of pain. And the last thing we need is a self-inflicted economic crisis. So leaders in Washington, get over yourselves and please just raise the debt limit already and get to talking about the actual budget. Amen to that. All right, well, my one more thing is is not related to that it's actually something i've been keeping my eye on for a little bit um so in somerville massachusetts a couple weeks ago new legal protections were extended to protect against discrimination to people in polyamorous and other non-traditional family structures so became one of the first cities in the united states to legally protect non-monogamous like families of more than two people and why I think this is fascinating is that if you've been paying attention, speaking of the dating world, maybe this is where love is blind will go next. You've seen a lot of um, the dating apps change their uh, uh, relationship status to some of these more non-traditional ways yes. of thinking about relationships and basically opening it up to people who are seeking not just a like two-person traditional monogamous relationship. Right. And so... I think this is actually fascinating to keep your eye on where we go next in terms of reimagining. We've been we've been reimagining family structures in lots of ways in terms of divorced families or extended families going beyond kind of the nuclear family. It's funny because we still think in the United States in this like two point five kids in the suburbs in terms of the Mm -hmm. ideal kind of nuclear family. Mm -hmm. When in reality, I think it's less than forty percent of families like actually grow up that way. Like we've we've kind of broken down that a long time ago. We just in popular culture still think in that way. Um, so as people lean more into no, this is just a different way of doing relationships, and I want to do relationships this way instead. You see the dating apps kind of keeping up with that, starting slowly to see in in cities like Somerville, Massachusetts, keeping up with that as well, but. The reason I'm bringing it up here is I think, again, very similarly, discrimination around this happens in the workplace. I think we're going to start seeing protections in the workplace around this kind of uh, non-traditional family structure, too.
1: Yeah, it should be really interesting to see. Um, I'm really curious. I, I definitely have seen <laughs> an increase in folks that are polyamorous or um, in open relationships and exploring what it would be like to have Poly- polyamorous family so um and i can certainly see how you'd want some sort of legal protection with that if you do decide to actually yeah. build a family so it makes sense um yeah not yeah. much more to add Danae, to that. it's I'm like really the it's to see.
0: it's the next frontier we've been breaking down gender roles we've been breaking down like uh, you know all kinds of the ways we think about romantic and sexual love in this country like this is yeah. The next frontier of it and so if you're a, if you're a leader thinking about diversity and inclusion like why wouldn't you think about inclusion in terms of relationship style or relationship preferences like i think that's it's gonna start we're gonna hear a lot more than that it's gonna become a lot more normalized i think we're gonna see it play out yeah. a lot more in the workplace and in, in, in legal protection so something to something to keep your eye on
1: absolutely we'll see what happens
0: all right Adriel. Always lovely to talk to you and uh, next week we are going to find the happiest stories in America about CEOs doing the most <laughs> wonderful things and <laughs> we'll try we to should bring do those that. to everyone. We should highlight some right? positive things that leaders are doing. Let's do that. I like that plan. We should. It's yeah. very easy to just see how everyone's getting it wrong and sometimes yeah. when they're getting it right it kind of lies under the radar so um, we will we will attempt to do that for you listeners. Um, but appreciate you listening as, as always. And Adriel, I will uh, talk to you next week. See you soon. Thanks, everyone.
1: Thanks for listening to Leadership. Our producer is Dave Sandell. Thinking about starting your own podcast? Connect with him at DaveSandel.com. You can find more information about Caleb and his work and even hire him to speak on change leadership at calebgardner.com or 18coffees.com. And find his book, No Point B, Rules for Leading Change in the New Hyperconnected, Radically Conscious Economy, wherever books are sold. You can find more about me, Adriel, and my diversity, equity, and inclusion work at adrielleparker.com. You can also subscribe to my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Parker for more candid discussions on DEI and for more insight on inclusive leadership.